Pods from the Far Beyond. This is one of a series of podcasts by Paldon Jenkins, coming to you from a farm in West Penwith, Cornwall, in the far southwest of Britain. And Penwith means far beyond, and it is. Now, in my blog, I've been writing about the significance of the COVID period in the wider context of the way that things are changing. And that's what this podcast is all about this time. I want to talk to you a little bit more about this because it plays a part in a series of waves of change. You can never really say exactly when they begin, but As an astrologer, I've worked a lot over time in uh, looking at long-term cycles of history and the way that astrology can shed light on these things. In that context, it's possible to identify a series of periods which throw light on where we stand now. And so I want to start in 1892. That was, in a way, the beginning of the modern period that we now live in. It was the time when the West became developed, fully developed, and a lot of the patterns of today were by then established, such as that the European culture had spread itself across the world to become dominant, and technology had matured to quite a remarkable degree. The beginnings of things like motor cars and aeroplanes came shortly afterwards, and quantum theory and electricity and all sorts of different things. So that started off a new period, but I'm going to jump through the 20th century to the mid-1960s, which is where we had a Uranus-Pluto conjunction. These Uranus-Pluto conjunctions happen every 111 or 141 years. They alternate, and it's because of the movements of Pluto in the solar system. The previous one I talked about, by the way, in eight, around 1892, was a Neptune-Pluto conjunction. And these happen once every 495 years, or call it 500 years, half a millennium. And thus far, we started on a cycle in 1892, and we've got as far as about 10 past the hour in that cycle. The culmination of the cycle will be in the uh, 2400s. Who knows where we will have reached by then? But as a clue, the previous cycle from the 1380s, 1390s, last until 1892, and during that time we had the rise of Europe, the development of all sorts of different pre-modern developments, and it led to, ultimately, the Industrial Revolution. It started in the aftermath of the Black Death. So we're working in a long-term pattern here, which started in 1892. And an interesting kick-off point was the mid-1960s, because here new information came forward that we were not aware of before. This was the beginning of the awareness of the environmental disaster that was beginning to form. This was the beginning of what Marshall McLuhan called the Global Village, where there would be a post-colonial, post-imperial, gradual, historic equalization going on as part of the process of planetarization of consciousness that I've mentioned in earlier podcasts. 
there was a new technology came forward. It, it was a time of computers and nuclear energy and genetic technologies and all sorts of different things, new materials. This unfolded through the 1970s and 80s, and then we came to the next inflection point, which was around 1989 to 1993. Historically speaking, this was the beginning of the post-industrial age proper, particularly with the invention of the Internet. It was the time of the rise of China. It was the time of the realization of the importance of the environmental problem we have on the world. This is the time of the Rio summit, for example, when resolutions were made, although only some things were done. But the awareness was there. The new technology was there. The globalized world was there. This is also a, a tipping point for the West, or at least for the industrial world, because here the Soviet Union fell through perestroika. And in a way, the West needed to go through perestroika too, but it avoided that issue and carried on using increasingly artificial means to stay wealthy and on top, which would include financial instruments and then technological means whereby our economies could be souped up even more. The next crunch point came in 2010 to 12, 13, 14, 15. Well, that started in 2008 with the economic crisis. This was a point where 50% of the world's population was now living in big cities, over half a million. The environmental crisis was really kicking in, and really the evidence was absolutely clear. It was no longer a matter of opinion from here on in. The question of globalization was turning round because of the economic crisis and the food crises that sparked it off. And we went into a new period where really it started getting more disturbing, more insecure, more unsettled as things started unfolding from there. And through the 2010s, we went through a worrying decade where a lot of very visibly bad things were happening and it was rather giving humanity the horrors. There was a feeling of stuckness. There was a feeling that no matter what the people tried to express in the way that they wanted or needed things, no matter what they did, it was as if the system always won out anyway. And the system was itself, in a way, losing quite a lot of its grip because of its kind of inherent separation from street-level reality. And then along came COVID. And in a way, COVID was a rather late development which could have started earlier, around 2012-ish or 14-15. Could have started then, but it started now. And I think the interesting thing here is that it's not just another wave, another crisis, of which we've had quite a lot in recent decades. It's not just that. I think the thing about COVID is that it really unpopped the cork, and things have started shaking up from now on. The thing about COVID itself, which came forward in January 2020, and that was astrologically on a Saturn-Pluto-Jupiter conjunction, the thing about it was that it was a trigger point, really. COVID itself, I think, in history will turn out not to be one of the biggest things that happened in this current time. 
It's more like a trigger in order to set in motion other processes to do with society, the economy, and the ecosystem, and the climate, and technology. There's something quite fundamental that has shifted here, and it's quite characteristic of the way that things can happen in a rather surreptitious way, where the cascading consequences from things bring up all sorts of related and dependent consequences from the initial thing. And so, for example, the close-downs in order to deal with the COVID pandemic brought very, very significant economic and social shifts, including quite fundamental issues such as changing values amongst people. One of the key issues here which has really come up is this one I keep repeating quite a lot, which is Does the system exist for the people, or do the people exist for the system? And this is quite a pertinent issue, which has really come up with COVID. But during the COVID crisis, there's been a strong urge and visualization of going back to normal. And I put a warning on this. I don't think it is a good response to the evolving situation here. We're now into a period of turbulence where I think a lot of ripping and tearing is going to start going on. It's not just the consequences of what has happened unfolding. It's the advanced consequences of things that yet need to happen. The thing is that we've got to move a terribly long way on planet Earth if we want to survive in any good shape. If our civilization is to remain reasonably intact, then we've got to start very, very big changes. And I'm not just talking about electric cars. I'm not just talking about slight adjustments. I'm talking about very fundamental changes. For example, a country such as Britain, in order to get to ecological neutrality, that it's consuming one Britain load of resources in order to survive for one year, If it is to do that, then the consumption of the British people needs to go down by about 60%. That's very significant when we consider lifestyles, identities, ways of life, the way that society organises itself and the economy, and the reason why we're doing all this in the first place. It concerns all these kinds of things and also quite big issues such as who decides Who has the power to decide over these things and on what basis and for whose benefit? So I think what's happened here is that the cork has become unpopped and we're now going to see a series of further crises coming along. Now this is not particularly too big a forecast because we have had quite an amazing intensity of crises in recent decades. But the issue here is that we are in danger of reaching a point where those crunch points become agglomerated and complexified and it's possible for there to be two, three, four, five different kinds of crises going on at the same time around the world. And so there's something that has been set in motion here. Now, as an astrologer, the next bit that I'd like to point out to you comes up in the later 2020s, starting around 2025, at its peak 2027, 8, 9. This is what I would call a potential avalanche of events. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, though it will have its difficulties, because astrologically, it is actually a series 
of quite harmonious angles that are forming between the slow-moving planets Uranus, Neptune and Pluto. This is a very rare little triangle. It is Pluto in Aquarius, Neptune in Aries and Uranus in Gemini. And from this, various things can be deduced that the theme will concern the people. It will concern identity groups, power in society, social freedoms, the welfare of people. And we are seeing all of these issues which have actually just got uncorked in the last year or two concerning public health and the economic well-being of people impacted by COVID. We'll also see new ideas. This is Uranus in Gemini, shifts of ideas, where old fixed ideas suddenly start flipping and people start understanding new things and new discoveries are made and people just see things in a different way or there can be people who voice these ideas. And then we have Neptune in Aries, which is about the initiatives of individuals. Now, I think this could have both a problematic and an advantageous side. Problematic in as much as there is quite a considerable movement of resistance against the new ideas. It's the sort of the anti-woke movement. There's quite a lot of resistance to this coming from the past and particularly from older generations, but also from vested interests. But on the other hand, there are also individuals who are capable of taking very positive initiatives, and this could lead to some quite remarkable things where we see some interesting public figures coming forward and doing quite remarkable things. So what I'm talking about here is that in the late 2020s, I can see the possibility of an enormous acceleration of events and trends. It's as if there is a whole load of pent-up energy which has been stored up over recent decades and it's become really acute during the 2010s and it just needs releasing. And I've used the idea of an avalanche. What happens with an avalanche is that simply the forces, the, the structures that grip the snow and keep it in place, suddenly they let go and an avalanche happens. So it is a release of energy. It's a bit like an earthquake as well, because an earthquake is like that. It's a release. However, this will be problematic because there's an interesting rule that happens in geology, and I think it probably applies to world events as well, when they're talking about the volume of flow of a river. The erosive power of a river, the capacity of a river to erode its banks, increases as the square of its volume this means that if the volume increases three times, the erosive power increases nine times. If the volume increases four times, it increases 16 times. And this, of course, can have quite a big effect, both positive and difficult, in terms of old, invalid structures, things not working, things becoming obsolete, suddenly kind of giving way or getting in the way, and things having to be done. So there's this kind of possibility. There's another one as well, which is one of positive change, because a lot of the horror and badness of recent decades has been because people have resorted to badness. They have resorted to war. They have resorted to negative responses to life events. I should mention one, by the way, which I was talking about with some friends, which was a very positive thing. We saw very positive things around about 1993, and one of them was that there was no civil war in Russia at the 
the time when the Soviet Union fell. That is an amazing achievement, actually, and the Russians need to be congratulated for that. Things were not easy, but they didn't go that way, and that was because of a certain kind of social wisdom shared between everyone. And this is quite an important thing, this matter of social wisdom. We are in times where the issue is very much about the wisdom of crowds, but also the madness of crowds. Because as we have seen in recent times, we've seen examples of both. Remember the wisdom of the crowds in Eastern and Central Europe, 1988, 1989 through to 1993. Or we've seen good examples during the initial stages of the Arab revolutions where the crowds there were very sensible, sane, asking for decent, reasonable things. This was not extreme revolutionary or religious activity. This was simply looking for economic justice, for justice in society. So this has a lot, therefore, to do with the matter of the people, and this is a matter which has not really been aired properly. It concerns questions such as political power, democracy, totalitarianism, but it also concerns the control agendas of people, groups of people, technology corporations, all sorts of things. And so this is quite an important time, and as I say, it looks like it could be a cascade of both very positive and also rather worrying developments. But things will accelerate, and I think around that time we might well see the world getting much more serious about facing the crisis that it's in. However, this starts out a new kind of period, which is that even if the whole world changed its ideas and its priorities and changed its agenda and its politics, even if the whole world decided to do that, we would then go into a period where we're working hard at remedying the problem and dealing with it, but there'll be a new factor. We will not know when or how it's going to work until it does or it doesn't. This will open up a new period which could last several decades, at a guess where we honestly do not know whether it's going to work, no matter what we do to remedy things. This could lead to quite a lot of social anxiety, up to and including madness, movements, both in the positive and visionary sense and in the sense of resistance. All sorts of things going on. Sanity problems, I think. In the 2030s, therefore, I think we'll be running on the momentum of this, where a lot of very good work is going to be done. A lot of amazing cultural and scientific and other developments will go on at a rate of knots very fast. But also, I think we'll be falling upon some very tricky problems, technical, ecological, social, all sorts of different things. Particularly concerning, the nub of the matter will concern power in society. And I think this comes to a crunch in the early 2040s, which is when we have a Uranus square Neptune between Taurus and Leo. And I think the issue here will be around power, will be something of a showdown. The issue here is that however you organize your political system, it needs to serve the needs of the people. It needs to have a certain kind of consultative capacity. Some people call this democracy, but that's not the only method. 
and also the people need to be able to change the agenda or fire the leadership when they feel the need. By this means, a system, whatever that system is, can renew itself when there is a need. If it doesn't have that, we're in for difficulty. But there are difficulties, and that is that there are interests in the world who do not want to lose power and influence, and there are people in the world who consider themselves entitled to take charge of things and to do things in the way that they think best, and this is a problem. But on the other hand, democracy is something of a problem because crowds of people, masses of people, public opinion isn't always clear. It doesn't always think things through. And we've had in recent times populism, which is the tendency to side for neat, easy, black and white answers that sound good, look as if they're achievable. Actually, they aren't in that way. Then we come to the late 2040s and we come to a Uranus opposition, Pluto, 2048-49. Now the thing here is that this is the opposition leading on from the conjunction of the mid-1960s. So the cycle which started in the mid-1960s is reaching its climax in the late 2040s. And the issues that came up at that time it concerns feminism, it concerns racism, it concerns ecological issues, it concerns globalization, it concerns technology, computers, all sorts of things like this. The issues that came up at that time will have come to something by then, whatever that is, and in a way, by the late 2040s, whether we like it or not, we will have got to where we're going to. In other words, it's going to be very, very factual. And the interesting thing here is that a lot of the megatrend curves, which forecasters have worked with in recent decades, tend to point towards 2050, including issues such as environmental damage, species loss, population growth in the world, which is likely now, by current estimates, to be peaking around that time and plateauing out, and all sorts of other factors. So I think here we have the crunch point in the late 2040s, and the people who were born around the millennium will by that time be approaching 50 years of age, and it's going to be in their hands very much. And I think what's going to happen after that is a period of at least 20 years, which in a way is a period of shock. Excuse the aeroplane. In some respects, there will be some parallels to the late 1940s and the 1950s. The immediate post-war period is a time of shock, adjustment to all of the facts that have come about as a result of events. This is difficult. I think we're going to find out how much the climate will have changed, how many species we will have lost, how society its numbers, its resources, its supply lines, is actually panning out in real-life terms, and all the other major things that affect us, I think by that time we'll have reached a certain kind of crunch. And the 20 years that follow it will be times of adjustment, picking up the pieces, assessing the situation, making do with what's available, and beginning to visualize 
what needs to be done for the future as well as clearing up the past. And this leads us to the final bit I'm going to talk about, which is the Neptune square Pluto of the mid-2060s. Now this is the one that goes back to 1892, which I mentioned was the beginning of the modern globalized world. The Neptune square Pluto is the first crunch point of that cycle towards the climax of the cycle, which will come much later in the 2100s. But the thing here is that this is something of a reality shift. If we look at 1892 as a statement of where things were going, which is what I was calling in an earlier podcast the planetarization of consciousness, but also we're talking about globalization, and not just globalization in a technical and economic sense in terms of business, but also in terms of people, cultures. The globalization of all and everything. Something of a painful thought to many people, but it doesn't mean to say that everything needs to become the same. It's a recontextualization of everything within the context of a global world. And this has a way of redefining regions and nations, for example, and local identities and ethnic groups and all sorts of things. And this is part of the process that we're in today, this question of identity. But I think what's going to happen in the 2060s is that however much damage has been caused and however many breakthroughs we've gone through in a positive sense and however many facts we've had to face by the 2060s, we're definitely in a new situation. The past is gone. It's over. We're into a new sphere with the new facts of our situation then. And in a way, the mid-2060s therefore represent perhaps the beginning of the next phase, whatever that is. If we've come through well, then this is a breakthrough in the nature of our civilization and perhaps a, a point of evolving goodness and rightness coming about in the world in terms of the issues, the problems that we've faced. Gradually, it's a process. If a lot of damage and pain has come about, if the human race is much diminished, if the ecosystem is diminished, if the systems of modern society have broken down to some extent, then we are into another ball game. But it's facts and that's what the issue will be it will nevertheless be a new start given the facts that we then have we do not know how things are going to pan out in the coming time certainly each one of us has our preferences and our judgments assessments but we do not know and we are now in a period of extremely deep profound choice and I think one of the key issues here is one that goes right, right back into early human history. And it concerns competitive societies and economies or cooperative societies and economies. But that is the subject of another podcast, if I remember to do it. You've been listening to a podcast from the far beyond with Paldon Jenkins. 
If you want to know more about me, then go to my website at paldon.co.uk. And the music came from bensound.com, for which many thanks. Thanks for being with. There's more to come. Mm-hmm.